This is the Midlife Mail Podcast with Greg Scheiman, brought to you by Ends Group Insurance. Ends Group is ensuring success. From the Gal Media Studios, here's Greg Scheinman. Greg Scheinman here with episode number 99 of the Midlife Mail Podcast. 99, Wayne Gretzky. You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. I think it was Gretzky who said that. Love that guy. Didn't love him back in the 80s when he and the Oilers were all over my New York Islanders. But insane hockey player. All right. With the Midlife Mail podcast, my mission is to help men navigate middle age to achieve a better quality of life. Each week, I get to share stories with inspiring men that reveal our humanity and inspire action. Thank you guys so much for letting me do this. If you are listening right now, if you've been listening for a while, or perhaps you are new to the Midlife Mail podcast, welcome and thank you. I am super, super grateful. It would mean a lot to me if you would subscribe to the pod and newsletter. And if you like what you're hearing, please rate and review us on iTunes and follow me on Instagram at Greg Scheinman. That is how we grow the Midlife Mail movement. Today, I am bringing you my conversation with Dan Cox. He is the founder of Wealthy and Metcon Supplement Companies. That's Wealthy, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y, and Metcon, M-E-T-C-O-N, as in metabolic conditioning. He is also the host of the Excuse the Disruption podcast, where he interviews disruptors in their industry, individuals who have gone against the grain and done things their own way. He has appeared on the ninth season of The Bachelorette and the second season of Bachelor in Paradise. He has a passion for health and wellness and a lifetime of competitive swimming, Ironman races, owning five health stores, and now two nutrition brands. Dan and I met up in California. We got connected by the guys at Roan, Chris and Nate Checkets. Nate's been on the Midlife Mail podcast before. Shout out to Nate. Thank you, Chris, also for setting this up. We were out there for the one-year anniversary party at the Sky Bar of the Mondrian Hotel. Okay, here's the story. That is where I met my wife, Kate, 24 years ago. Sky Bar of the Mondrian Hotel. So, clearly, a locale, a venue that is near and dear to my heart. Love you, honey. Needless to say, it is also good to get some Bachelor stories from Dan. So here we go. Midlife Mail Podcast. Dan Cox, take it away. Thank you so much for being here. This came about super quickly. I'm, I'm stoked for it. I'm gonna do that. But first and foremost, thank you for taking a Saturday to, to sit down and chat with me. Of course, man. I'd love to. So yeah, I'm glad we, we have some mutual connections and it just kind of worked out while you're in town. So appreciate you coming in. Yeah. So we got plugged in through the guys at Roan. Mm-hmm. Um, Nate's been on the show before, big fan of the brand, what those guys are are doing. Um, how do you know those guys? You're sporting yeah. right now, I'll talk about yeah, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're kind of my second family. So I got originally cast to do a photo shoot with them, and this is probably two years ago. Um, so I live between Las Vegas and here. I was in Vegas, agent reached out and said, hey, this, this athletic company wants to do a shoot with you, and I really only take jobs like that that are with companies that I would use and you know mm-hmm. um and so uh so I'm like oh it sounds great so I met Nate's brother Ben um and then a couple members of their team and we shot for 3 days all around Las Vegas between like Lake Mead um uh the uh, um I'm blanking on some of the canyons. Uh, Valley of Fire, mm-hmm. uh, where like every car commercial is filmed. <laughs> um, but we had we had an unbelievable time, and it's one of those like it's one of those companies when you work with people and you connect with the people that you kind of know like all right, this is going to be more than just you know one time thing. So um, I kept in touch with them. We started working together with my nutrition brands and sponsoring events. So they've done a really good job of building out community, um, hosting different kind of you know fitness events around the country. And then so I kind of piggyback off them and, and help out and offer uh, some of my nutrition supplements uh, for those events. And it's kind of spiraled into to that. And I get a call one day. Um, this was actually the last year. And uh, uh, Nate's brother, Ben, was like, hey, what are you doing uh, you know, next week? 
And, uh, and I'm like, oh, you guys coming out to Vegas? You know, we shoot again. And he's like, no, we're actually shooting Milan. So I'm like, oh, okay. So they, they created, they, they found this factory in Milan that does this stitching, this unbelievable. I don't know if you had that commuter shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we went out to that factory and shot all around Milan and Cinque Terre. Um, so they've just been awesome partners, um, fun to work with. And as you know, we're going to a, a party with them tonight. Um, they've just done an amazing job with the brand. So. I just, I love working with those guys. Everyone I've met within the company has been incredible. So I feel, yeah. feel the same way they outfitted the guys, uh, from the D10 decathlon, uh, last couple of years that I was involved in the stuff is amazing. Yeah. Um, and again, the community is great and it will be fun to be back at the Montreal hotel tonight. And I said, that's, uh, I told you earlier, I'm like, <laughs> I just got the story. Yeah. <laughs> met my wife at the sky bar, the Montreal hotel 20 some odd years yeah. ago. And you go, okay, life comes full circle. Yeah. And then my, my second question was, was she going to be there? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, honey, enjoy Houston. Take care of those boys. I'll be back on Tuesday. Yeah. So thank you. Um, I, I like to kind of get a little kind of daily current event like what makes you take yeah. when, when we first start off as i said it's here it's a saturday yeah. morning it's california what's your daily routine i mean you show me a little bit of like quick gopro videos yeah, yeah. but like what's your daily wake up get at it routine yeah from i mean recently it's it's changed a lot so i went through a, a battle my dad was battling cancer for a while so uh the, the morning routine was definitely out of whack but i mean really what i try to do especially when i'm in la is um, at least four days a week, um, I literally wake up six in the morning and head out to the ocean. There's a couple different groups I swim with, um, and it's literally become like an absolute addiction. On the days that I know I'm not swimming, it's like it's almost like it's harder to get out of bed. Um, as funny as that sounds, because you're jumping into the ocean, it's cold, um, but it literally like just invigorates me gets the day started. So this morning I was out uh, with a group called One With The Ocean um, in Redondo. And uh, and it's just it, it's just community. It's just good people getting together. Everyone's there. It's one of those things like, you know, it's harder to go to the gym by yourself than if you mm-hmm. have someone accountable. Or the reason why group fitness is blown up is because you're signing up, you're committing, you know, other people are going to be there. There's, you know, good social pressure. Um, and so it's kind of the same thing with, with these swim groups. Um, and so that's typically how we start, you know, more than, than 50% of my, my week mornings. Um, and then if not, then I'm out, you know, taking my dog for a run. Um, usually she can handle about three miles. And then if I need to do any more, I bring her back and, um, and get back on, uh, on the trail. But, um, that's typically it. Start the morning with some form of, of exercise. Um, and my preferred is ocean swimming. That's awesome. And open water swimming is super, super challenging, but, but unbelievably invigorating yeah. also i mean even if you're not swimming even just to jump in the ocean in the morning there's something mm-hmm. about it and like not to get into the you know the the ions and everything but th- there is something to say about like waking up getting in the water like there's some connection mm-hmm. there um that just like literally makes you feel alive so are you into that kind of contrast therapy cold cold immersion right now that's really picking up a lot of steam i i like the idea of pushing like i don't get too deep into the science of it but I like the idea of like, this makes me uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to tell myself to do it now. You know, like, I kind of like that mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, so I guess I like more of the mindset of it than the actual physical attributes um, of just like pushing yourself to take a cold shower. Um, but I do enjoy like the hot to cold. Um, if I go to the gym, I will do, you know, workout, jump in the sauna for 10 to 15 minutes and then ice cold shower. Um, and that's kind of another like favorite thing to mimic what Mm -hmm. I'm feeling when I jump in the ocean. We got a lot of ground to cover in a short period of time, but I also (laughs) got to ask you kind of right on like bachelorette. Okay. How does that, you appeared on the bachelorette, bachelorette in paradise. How does that happen? What is the process? Did you decide like, Hey, I want to apply for this. Did somebody ask you like, take me through how that happens. So, it was so the way I got there's a bunch of different ways to get on. The way I got on is my buddy's wife submitted me. And so without telling me, she just literally put in an application. So I get a call one morning from NKZ Production, which is the production company, their casting department. And they said, Hey, we're with uh, you know, the production company that does the Bachelor and Bachelorette. Um, you know, want to see if you're interested. And I literally thought it was a joke because I had no premise of it. <laughs> And, uh, and I'm like, how'd you guys get my number? And she's like, oh, you know, told me the name of my buddy's wife. And I'm like, oh, man. And they're like, is this something you're, you've been wanting to do? And I'm like, nope. Um, and they're like, well, we'd love to see a video of you, you know. And this is before, like, filming. Or, like, we're obviously filming right now. And this mm-hmm. is kind of part of almost culture, right? Yeah. Of, like, putting things out. You know, 
six years ago, seven years ago, it wasn't cool to hold up, you know, a camera in front of your face. Um, and so I told them no. And then they were like, okay, we'll bring you out to LA. Um, I was in Vegas at the time and uh, flew out, did the little interview. Um, and then they're like, well, we'll be in touch. And so it's kind of one of those things. It's like, you know, the, they, they, they give you a little and then pull away. Uh -huh. um, and so I was like kind of curious. And then they call me for like a final round and it's the most intense interview slash weekend of your life. So it's um, literally probably close to 800 questions of like psychoanalysis tests mm -hmm. uh, to determine your personality. And if you're, you know, sane enough to be on TV um, and then and liability wise um, and then um, drug tests, STD tests, sitting down with the shrink, um, all these things for a weekend. And so after all that, I was like, I better get on this. Um, and so I got a call like the next week and they're like, we'd love to have you. Um, I think I told them, I was like, can I, can I call you back? Um, and they're like, yeah, you have till the end of the week. Um, and I literally hung up the phone. I'm like, this is stupid. Like what a cool experience, you know? So, mm -hmm. um, so I picked a phone call them, set them in, um, went on bachelorette, um, didn't last that long. Uh, maybe three weeks, I think on that show. Um, but it was just a unique experience. You're, you, you have no phone, no computer, no connection with the outside world. You're literally on an Island in this mansion. Um, and so that's why you connect with the girl and you connect with the guys because it's like a, the deserted island scenario. Okay. Um, and then thought reality was done and, you know, was what it was, um, got into a relationship. And then that relationship ended, literally get a call like a month later um, and production company. Um, and they're like, hey, what are you doing next month? And I knew of a bunch of people that were already going on Paradise. And so it was kind of weird that it was like so last minute because they were already committed, knew what times they were flying out. And they're like, well, we think, you know, you'd be interesting. We don't know when we'd want you on. Um, and so I'm like, like, screw it. It's an experience. I'm in. Um, and then that was just, that was unbelievably fun. It was, you know, it was a big reunion with the producers. It wasn't everyone's first rodeo being on mm -hmm. TV. Um, and we just got to hang out on a beach, you know, for a month. What were you doing at the time, mm -hmm. career-wise, okay, yep. when, when this was all going down? Yep. And then how is that conversation to kind of your yeah. employer to what you're yep. doing? And then I also want to delve into like what this does to your psyche and mm -hmm. identity kind of coming out of that. Yeah. A little bit of that. So, um, yeah. So on, on The Bachelorette, I was working for a company. My buddy's wife who submitted me, her dad was – or my buddy's dad was my boss. So he, it was one of those things where she reached out to him was like, Hey, if I submit Dan, are you okay? And he thought it was like a long <laughs> shot. So he's like, yeah, of course, like he can go do what he wants. Um, so that was, you know, kind of, that's how that worked. And I was mm -hmm. able to go off and do it. Um, when I was on paradise, I think I had, I think I had two or three retail stores at the time. I think I had three. Um, and so that was a big, it was a big step because it was, okay, can I leave and have my guys do this? You know, have I built something strong enough to where, because again, I can't check anything. I can't check in. Mm -hmm. So I just, and I knew the maximum time I was going to be gone was like a month and a week. And so I just set it up to where I built up the inventory in the stores, you know, tried to check off as many boxes as I could. I had a really good DM at the time um, and just kind of put my faith in him. And then I was able to negotiate with the producers that I could check a producer's phone once a week just to make sure there was no fires, you know, nothing was going on. Mm -hmm. um, and so that was it. But like literally a producer over my shoulder while I'm scrolling through my emails, just making sure there's no, you know, 911 message. Um, and that was it. And it was, it was definitely a, it was, I'll be honest, it wasn't scary at all. I kind of just have this mentality of like, this was an opportunity I was going to take it. And like, when you look back at like a year, like a month can go by like that, right? So I was like, even if sales are down, whatever it is, like the experience is going to be worth the downside. Mm -hmm. um, and and I came back, everything was still good. Yeah, sales dropped a little bit, but um, you know, nothing that you know was going to break the bank. And um, it was just, yeah, it was an unbelievable experience, and it was a good test too of like taking off leaving everything and seeing, you know, how the business survives. And mm -hmm. actually I recommend that because, you know, even taking trips for a week or two, you're going to face challenges and to be able to like be in that mindset of like, well, at the end of the day, it's not that big of a deal. Like everything's still going to be running and operating. 
yes, you're going to skip a couple beats on a few things, but um, what you gain in that time you're gone is is well worth the uh, uh, the sacrifice. What were the stores and what was the business mm-hmm. that you had at the time? Because yeah. you started in, in you're saying working with the company and yep. you were in, in wine and in beverage yeah. sales. Yeah. And you went on and then you kind of came out and got your own yeah. career going. Yeah. So I started in the healthy beverage business. I uh, worked for a company called Fuse uh, with a bunch of guys who had started up Sobe, if anyone is old enough to remember the lizards on the bottle. Uh, we, we are yep. over here at the Midlife Mail <laughs> podcast. Yes, um, we are. And then, and then so I had an unbelievable opportunity in college to work for these guys at Fuse. And when I graduated, I assumed I was going to go work for them. And they had already, you know, the shares were given out. The company was already getting positioned for, you know, for an acquisition. And, uh, um, and I was just told, like, go get experience. And so I got recruited by the Gallo family um, and went into the wine business, which I thought was going to be like a year or two. Turned into a seven-year, you know, career, which was, you know, pretty rare even. I mean, it's rare today, but even when I graduated um, and uh, had an unbelievable experience. Company was awesome. But there was always something missing. I always wanted... I always wanted to create my own thing. Not that there wasn't opportunities within Gallo, but it was very much like if I had an idea for something, there's no way I could go to them and say, hey, here's my idea. I think this wine would be a great concept. Here's the marketing. There was was a lot more layers. And so uh, I I was approached by a startup company that um, one of the guys who I worked for with Fuse um, was in the alcohol business and, and said, hey, we got this startup. I want you to be a part of it. Um, so I came on board with them and, uh, we had this, you know, unique patenting, uh, patented concept for alcoholic beverages. And just after spending a couple years with the company, it was very obvious to me that I wanted to get back into health and nutrition, like alcohol. I knew alcohol, I knew wine and, uh, um, and I still enjoy wine, but it wasn't as much of a part of my life anymore. And I really was kind of looking for that fulfilling piece of, you know, helping people getting back into health and nutrition, something that was more my lifestyle. And uh, one of my good buddies from college was opening up retail stores in Texas called Total Nutrition. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I kind of, you know, got in his ear a little bit about wanting to do some stores. And so he came out to Vegas. We looked at a couple, uh, um, a couple locations. And this is, uh, this is probably like 2013. So Vegas hasn't fully recovered. And, uh, um, you know, the commercial market's still a little soft. Um, and we found a space that was ideal. Um, he kind of showed me the ropes, helped me open. And then it was kind of like, like, there you go. Like, here's your business. Um, and so it was def- I had no clue about retail. Um, looking back, I had no idea what I was doing. Um, but, it, but it was good because I learned. I learned a lot. Um, and I always tell the story that, you know, anyone who's like, well, I don't know that. I can't jump into it. I literally had, I didn't have a concept of, of sales tax at the time. I literally thought I had everything under control. I was like, cool, all my bills are paid. Everything's going good. And then I get this letter from the state saying, hey, you haven't paid your sales tax. And I'm like, oh, this is something I have to pay every month. Like, <laughs> like it was just one of those things. Like I, I think of myself as a pretty in-tuned individual. And I just like, and it was one of those like slap in the face of like, you don't know any, like, like there's get, no manual for yeah, this. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's, that was the crazy part is like, the, yeah, for retail, like, yeah, you can look stuff up, but everything's different. Every state's different. Um, and so it was a huge learning curve. Um, and, uh, and yeah, the store started taking off. Um, and then so um, at the time, it was like, okay, obviously, I know what the potential of one store is. Now let's, you know, if I can do two mm-hmm. stores, three stores. So I um, started growing and opened a store in California um, and then ended up opening up uh, three more stores. I had four in Vegas um, and one in L.A. What's your family background also? Um did you did you learn? I know your parents in mm-hmm. business, and yeah. you talked about your dad briefly, and we'll yeah. and we'll and we'll, and we'll touch on uh, touch on that a little bit more. But was there mentorship at home? Yeah. You, are you doing things that are completely different from your family? I mean, and how? how yeah, yeah. That- yeah, pretty much. So my my dad worked for uh, Pacific Gas and Electric PG&E, which is the Northern California um, gas and electric company, for forty five years. Um, so he was a welder, blue collar. Um, but I think the biggest thing he instilled in was like the traditional values of hard work like Mm -hmm. he ran a solid crew you know of of welders um you know he was a foreman he was teaching guys how to do things um he taught me a lot he coached sports you know my whole life um and even when i wasn't on the team he just loved coaching so he'd continue to do it um and so that like that like work ethic i think really instilled in me of like whatever you he loved doing what he did um he loved welding and so it was just that mindset of like, okay, if I put the work in and I love what I'm doing, like, like he was happy, like he really did love his job, um, which you can't really say too much for people, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, 
but there there's something to be said about like truly loving what you do and then it allows you to work harder at it um, but nothing entrepreneurial really um and so i started out you know in in high school always like thinking like cool where can i make you know where can i make some money and so i started working at 15 when i could um it was a buster at outback steakhouse um, worked at the community center. I had like three jobs during high school, like at the same time. Um, and it was just because I was like, I was like, cool, I can, my time is worth this amount of money. And that's all I had at the time. So, mm-hmm. um, I did that. And then when I got into college and I coached swim teams throughout, um, throughout high school, um, was that your sport? Yeah. Swimming was my sport for sure. Um, it was just, you know, I started out with everything and then it kind of funneled down into where you're going to concentrate your efforts. Um, and so, yeah, coached swim team for four years, um, and really, you know, just love the aspect of like, okay, if I love what I'm doing and I'm putting the time in, like, I'm going to get rewarded for it. Um, and then started, and I was always good at, at conversation and I didn't know at the time, but what is sales basically? Um, so I was just good at getting more money and getting increased, you know, and like providing more Mm -hmm. value for the people I was working for. Um, and so in college I started selling advertising space in a local paper. Um, and then that kind of blew up a little bit and I was making like good money in college selling advertising, um, and then started doing it for the school paper. Um, and so it was just always finding ways to like just work basically. Um, and then always had creative ideas. I think working in the advertising space was good for me because I was able to go to clients and pitch. And this is in college, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know that much about marketing, but I know what college students were doing and how to get them to buy or show up to your um, service. So it just became like a learning curve of like, all right, I know, I know what this business needs to do to be successful or how I can provide more value. Mm -hmm. Um, Not just going to them to sell them a one-time ad spot in the, you know, in the paper. Um, And so I think I kind of built on that and then started working for Fuse in college. And then that's really when my like entrepreneurial vibe started, like I started seeing these guys and I'm like, Hey, this is how it works. Like, this is how products are formed. Like a group gets together, they have an idea, they pitch it, they go for investors, um, you know, learned a lot about distribution, um, you know, did a lot of crew drives around the country. So at a young age, you know, flying around the country, working with distributors and old guys in the beverage business, um, and just kind of seeing how all the cogs worked, um, Mm -hmm. you know, from a startup standpoint. Um, and I think that's what kind of led me you know, I, to working with Gallo was getting that training, but then also in the back of my head, I'm always like, it was always spinning of like, what could be done better? What could be done different? And then even outside the wine business, like I would just have ideas. And so I think it just took me a long time to finally be like, it's time to execute. Like it's Mm -hmm. time to do your own thing. Um, and the stores were the perfect kind of launching pad for that. And I always knew, even when I opened the stores, I always had in the back of my mind, like a brand is what I want. Um, and it just, now looking back, it's easy to say that was the path, but um, it really led to that and me creating my own brands. Mm-hmm. And you touched on a few things. You know, one is the transition from brick and mortar into mm-hmm. your own brands. And the the other was a little bit of the transition from kind of wine mm-hmm. and alcohol and maybe perception of, of nightlife yep. in a way to... I'm getting to daytime yep. and health and nutrition and yep. fitness. Um, and I've made that pivot myself over the last couple of years in particular, which has been okay, day overnight, you know, yep. um, and the accountability of planning your morning workout or your certain yep. routine in the morning to get up and it keeps you from going out the night before. And then naturally the reduction in, let's say, alcohol intake is, yep. is overtaken by the morning green juice and the ocean, ocean swim. Was that kind of a natural evolution for you or was it? I think so. You know, I was in a I was in a position at the winery at the time. And in the beverage business is very much a going out business, right? Mm-hmm. And then you get an alcohol business and it's obviously part of the business. Um and I remember there was there was a time where I was um I was taking on this marketing role where I was traveling like twenty days a month and I was I was the guy going to distributors to to, you know, be the guy behind the brand. Um, and it was always, oh, Dan's in town. We got to go out, right? So for them, it was once every six months. For me, it was every night of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it just, it definitely started taking a toll. And, and I had fun, but I, you know, it was one of those things of a morning I woke up kind of like I'd been traveling like to five cities that week. Like, where am I at? Where is my flight? You know, just like anxiety set in. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what am I doing? Like, I need to get, you know, things together. And, uh, and kind of around the same timeline, uh, my brother had uh, just signed up for a um, uh, um, 
not a triathlon, but it was, it was a swim run basically. And it was in Alcatraz in San Francisco. So swimming from Alcatraz, run across Golden Gate and back. And so I'm like, oh, well, I'll be there to support you. We stay at my uncle's place. Me and my uncle stay up, you know, drinking a couple bottles of wine. My brother leaves it early in the morning. We show up. And I remember just being hungover and like the fittest people I've ever seen, like on this beach. And I'm like, okay, something's got to change. Like, and I was, mm-hmm. I was working out all the time. I was still, mm-hmm. but I was, like you said, I had that balance of, you know, going out versus putting the work in. And like, yeah, I was like, this is, this is not what I want to be doing is being hung over on a beach when I could be out there swimming or running. Um, and so there's a few moments like that, that kind of clicked where I'm like, okay, it's time to start really, you know, I, I just want to be more aware. I want to be better. I want to, mm. you know, work out more, swim more. I think it's a great message. Yeah. And, I, and I try to, to tell people at whatever age or stage, I mean, you can do whatever it is you want to do and you can be successful, quite frankly, in, in business and other ways, mm-hmm. maybe traveling and, and going out. You can also be very successful waking up early. You, know, you can find whoever your community or like-minded yep. people may be wherever you want that to yeah. be. If you're looking for it. If you're looking for it. Yeah. The really difficult part, or almost the impossible, you can't do both. Yeah. I mean, at a certain point, you can't it have it to both ways. It starts to catch up to you. And when you're making a focus towards sustainability, towards longevity, mm-hmm. to your future, something's got to give yep. Give somewhere. But you know, there are communities out there for you, whatever you want to do. If you want to swim to Alcatraz and back and run the Golden Gate, you're going to yep. have a thousand people that are out there yep. in the morning doing it doing it with you. Yeah. Uh, so I love I love that message yeah. and kind of how that lifestyle I think is growing in popularity and I don't want to call it trendy because I don't really yeah. I don't want it to be a trend yep. but I think there's something really unique and organic in products and in health and in wellness yep. and boutique fitness studios and trainers and just an overall lifestyle of saying okay we live really well also between these hours and we're doing these things mm-hmm. and. And I hope that's, again, here here to stay. Yeah, I, I think so. And I think it's, you know, I mean, look at it. There's two trajectories, right? There's the the going out party trajectory. The more you hang out in that and the more you're around that, you'll probably get escalated into that space. Mm-hmm. If you're in the health and wellness and you start pushing yourself and putting yourself in that environment, the more you're going to get pushed further and further in that space. Like I look at when I started doing triathlons, like I didn't, again, I didn't know what I was doing. And then I started finding these communities and these people and like, People that were able to swim faster than me, people that are able to run faster, you know. And Mm -hmm. so when you're around that, you know, atmosphere, that's going to push you further in that direction. Um, And I think that's the important thing. And I think you touched on community, um, you know, the group fitness kind of phenomenon. It's really not it's not a new concept. Right. But it's definitely gaining popularity. And I think it's everyone keeps saying like, well, it's the workout. It's work. It's not the workout. It's literally the community of people getting together. And again, I call it like positive social pressure mm-hmm. of pushing you further. And like, I think it's great. Yep. I think that the sweat working mm-hmm. aspect of it, you know, and how you network. And I think there are a couple of things going on and, and we'll move to that too. One, guys like me want to also hang with guys like you, quite frankly. Like, look, it helps make us feel good. Younger, go. Whether Dude, you you're guys, looking good, saying, by the way. I would guys, never have guessed your age. So, <laughs> Which is kind yeah. of you. Thank you. I will keep fishing for those yeah. as we go. But point B, whether you guys always want to hang with us, a lot of us that are going after it, the idea of feeling young, staying yep. active, doing these things, quote unquote, trying to keep up a little bit with that in yep. a positive way is great. But the other side of it, which I'm seeing now too, my contemporaries, guys even that I came up with, mm-hmm. men, men and women too, um, they were in entertainment, mm-hmm. were in hospitality. Uh, they owned restaurants, they owned bars, they owned clubs. Not, and I was at Rumble this morning, for example. You're seeing these guys that were in nightlife. Mm-hmm. And again, night, all these other areas, They've gotten a little bit older. They've gotten a little bit wiser. They're taking their talents and applying it and seeing this opportunity in health and wellness. Mm-hmm. And look at what a rumble looks like. Yeah. Look at what some of these other places. I'm going to check out Health House and other yeah. places. It's the new club. Tomorrow, it really is. Yeah. And you've got such amazing, brilliant minds and successful entrepreneurs and risk takers that are saying, we can just swap night for day. Yeah. What do we need? We have all the elements. We know how to do it. Yep. And by the way... We can't stay out until four o'clock in the morning anymore either. Mm-hmm. We're changing up our lifestyles. We've gotten married. We're having families. We're living that way. And I think that's that's also just a really, really positive trend. Mm-hmm. Um, 
again, that I hope there's a lot of stickiness to saying, hey, we learn, we evolve, we apply what we've learned, and we're putting in good places to to grow and sustain and build our futures that yeah. way too. And it's attracting people like yourself, mm-hmm. and it's certainly appealing to guys like me. Yeah. Well, well it, again, I keep, I know I'm beating this dead horse, but it's community, right? Like if you go to a club or a bar, you're doing it to be around people, mm-hmm. right? If you can make that atmosphere in the health and wellness space, it's the same thing. Like the people are taking as many pictures at these studios than they are going out at night, right? So yep. if that becomes the thing to do, it's just community. It's just people wanting to be around people and have something to strive for. Um, and there's a lot more positive benefits that side than than the other side of the coin. Yep. And time is very valuable. Yep. And there's a few aspects of community, and then we'll finish beating the horse. But one of them is obviously there's a younger community that develops there. That it's a social outlet and everything too. There's a bit of an older community that develops there that loves being in there. Mm-hmm. Time is super super valuable. But boom, we got to get in. We got to get out. We got to high five the people, yep. and then I got to go coach. Team, yeah. you know, I got to go drive a carpool. Well, yep. not anymore because my older one drives, but that's fucked up also <laughs> right but, now. And, and, and <laughs> the last piece of it is it's it's one of the few places where we remove ourselves from technology for a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. If you're in group fitness, granted, you can take a phone in and do stuff within the class, but for the most part, you're working and you're with this group where technology is out of the picture. And yeah, selfie before and after, whatever it is. But but again, it's it's when else are you away from your phone for 45 minutes or an hour? Yep. Okay, so let's turn the page. Let's talk about what you are doing right now mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm interested and always looking for what should I be trying? Who's yep. got their finger on the pulse? Yep. Okay, what should we be taking into our bodies? Mm-hmm. Again, what's going to help? Yeah. Okay? And what are you doing business-wise and how is that helping this community yeah, that we've touched on? For sure. So, um, you know, my business now is focused around really two core brands, uh, Metcon and Wealthy. Um, so when I owned my stores, I was getting really frustrated with the products that were available for me to purchase and retail again. So you got to think, I started having this mindset of like, like my hands are tied. I'm building this group of customers to bring them value, uh, to help them reach their goals. Yet I'm restricted by the products I can sell to them. And I was starting to have my own needs and wants. Customers were asking for certain things. So Metcon was my first brand I developed. Um, and it was basically at the time sports nutrition was so focused on, you know, the quote unquote meathead going to the gym, doing three sets of 10 and getting out, right. Getting the biggest pump, having the highest amount of caffeine, Mm -hmm. the craziest neon blue flavors. Right. Um, and so, uh, and it was just about taste and like, and just like pure aesthetics. Um, and so I was getting in triathlons. I wanted more performance products. And I saw this, this kind of these two lines and one was down the, you know, traditional sport nutrition route, which was again, the highest caffeinated, you know, craziest flavors you can come up with. And then the other route was the endurance route. And it was literally pure sugar, pure salt. It was so basic. And so I said, no one's merging these two together of bringing, you know, some of the attributes of sports nutrition and then bringing in some of the attributes that help out with endurance. Um, and, uh, and with the way things were going, I, you know, I didn't want anything artificial in my body. I didn't want, um, you know, things to be, you know, neon purple. And so I started reaching out to the manufacturers I was working with, like, why isn't anyone sweetening these products with stevia? Um, you know, and it was because there was no blueprints for natural flavoring at the time. Mm -hmm. And there was, you know, you can go and white label a pre-workout, um, that's, you know, 20 other brands have the same ingredients and you could pick from a laundry list of flavors because it's, there's literally been, it's been done over and over again. There's a blueprint. Um, they know, and those artificial flavors and sweeteners are so strong, it can cover up anything. Um, and there was nothing at the time that I found that was, there was no plug and play for that. So there wasn't a big market. Um, so I started working with this one manufacturer to develop a pre-workout that was focused in on muscle endurance. So what that meant was a lower caffeine than most pre-workouts on the market. So you didn't get dehydrated, um, including electrolytes in it, including B vitamins in it, um, and then making it all natural, sweetened with stevia. And honestly, it took, you know, working with our compound manufacturers and, um, and the kind of the studies that were out there on what nutrients we wanted, um, that actually was the quickest part. Just developing the flavor was the hardest part because there was no, there was no blueprint at the time of here's how you develop a naturally sweetened product. Um, and so Metcom was the first. Um, that started taking off at my stores. And then it started, I started getting other stores across the country calling about it. Because at the time, you know, Metcon is very synonymous with CrossFit mm-hmm. um, and, and just the all natural aspect 
of the product and hit was becoming more popular. So it's like, okay, people are getting, you know, if you've ever been in a boxing class and you've taken a pre-workout or any kind of supplement and you, your biceps start literally seizing up, right? Because you're doing consistent muscle movement and you're getting this inflamed tissue going on. Um, and so more and more people are asking like, oh, I heard this product's great. I heard this product's great. Um, and so it started spreading um, across the country in different retail stores. And then I just, you know, there was other people outside of the markets I was selling. So I put it online. Um, we started selling online. It started catching traction. And then I just kept expanding the line into what it was really what the customers were asking for um, and what the needs were that I saw in the market. So I started looking at other aspects of the sport nutrition space and like, okay, like there is a need, you know, not everyone in, um, in the endurance world is looking to lose weight, but some people are. Can we create a thermogenic um, that is not going to, you know, again, be high caffeinated, that mm -hmm. people will be able to burn more calories, you know, high dose of L-carnitine um, that will help them get more out of the time they're putting in. And so it was just little things like that of finding opportunities in the market. Um, and so the brand started expanding. And then um, I really saw the need for, um, there was a lot of people that I saw coming to the stores and kind of the way my mindset was too, you know, I, I started thinking about the customer and how they interacted with the product. And I started thinking about, you know, the, the typical college student with a tub of protein pre-workout on top of the fridge, right? As we get older, you don't put your protein and your products out, right? And you want it to be neat and clean and everything's put away. Mm -hmm. And then I started thinking about the customer that was opening up their cabinet door for, you know, having friends over for dinner. Would they be ashamed of the pe of people that saw the products in if it was like rip your face off pre-workout and, mm -hmm. and all these things, right? Um, and like male enhancement products and, you know, test boosters. And would women be ashamed with, you know, something that said like ripped shredded fat burner, right? So I started thinking there's a, there's a need for a health essentials product line that was very simple, subtle, um, that people would be, you know, proud to show um, and talk about. And then again, followed all the things I was, you know, um, I was interested in, which was, you know, non-artificial flavors, colors, or sweeteners, um, you know, uh, soy, dairy, and gluten-free, um, and just kept a baseline of where we wouldn't cross and then making the products obviously safe, approachable, um, and effective. And then that's when Wealthy kind of came about. Um, and so as that brand started taking off and Metcon started taking off, it just was clear that, that this was, you know, uh, a bigger play than just, uh, you know, the two markets I was in. Mm -hmm. And I love, I love it conceptually also, just kind of the simple yet effective aspect of it. And it connects because, you know, and I see some of the dichotomy almost like I was reading muscle and fitness in the airport. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And there's a big difference between, let's say like muscle and fitness and let's say men's health mm -hmm. you know, or, or men's journal. And I think as you're talking, I'm thinking, okay, what's, what's in my pantry, you know, mm -hmm. right now. Mm -hmm. And we do, we have the big tub of, of protein powder, which was so old school, the way you would just scoop it out and, and do everything. And I would take some and my 16 year old would take some, but we've got branch chain amino acids mm -hmm. and there's, and there's some, some creatine and I'm pretty simple, but it's BCAAs, creatine. Now it's more plant-based protein. Um, I don't get enough vegetables, so now I'm tinkering around with which, whether it's athletic greens or mm -hmm. Organifi, like which little green powder am I putting mm -hmm. in to make myself feel good because I know I don't get enough vegetables. But to your point on, do I want loud and purple muscle fitness like bold? Like that's not where I'm at. Yeah. It's like daily, sustainable, healthy energy recovery has become so huge. Yep. Kind of filling certain areas that support the lifestyle that I'm living and what I want to do in with kind of an elevated level of sophistication. I think that's how we're looking yeah. for, for products for sure now that fit and blend with, with the overall lifestyle. The article I happen to love in men's in muscle fitness was there going to be a great article on Tim McGraw, who's 52 right now. Great. Yeah. But that's the article I read. And then I skip over like all the Olympians and, yeah. and I yeah. go back to, okay. You know, I go back to the other, to the other things that are that are there um but that demographic in its own right yeah and that product that appeals to that demographic the tim mcgraw-esque guy yep. the four, very different yep. and i love where you're going with that and are you the are you the name guy behind it too like wealthy's a great name yeah yep. like that's what you sit and sketch yep. out like on the nap you're yep. like okay what am i gonna yep. do here so it's so it's funny so metcon was the most interesting so i started doing 
Um, and kind of before... Did you catch any shit for that? Just, I got to ask you, like, whether it's the Nike Metcon shoes, whether it's CrossFit, whether it's whatever. Yeah. Did you catch flack for that? No, I didn't catch flack. I caught a lot of people that were like, you don't really own that. And I'm like, no, I, yeah, I own it. And so <laughs> it, it came about because, this is actually kind of an ironic story. The um, So I was doing Metcon, I wasn't doing CrossFit. Mm-hmm. I was doing Metcon workouts in an MMA gym. And a lot of people don't even know what Metcon stands for. So so. metabolic conditioning. Mm -hmm. So basically high intensity training. It's actually the first term before CrossFit was CrossFit, people would do Metcons. And when you still go into a CrossFit gym today, you either do a WOD, which is a workout of the day, or you do a Metcon, which is more of a high intensity Mm -hmm. uh, repetitive workout. And so um, I, you know, I, I mean, looking back, I'd love to say like, oh, I saw this trend of hit, you know, getting popular. Um, But I, I was involved in like, these workouts with these MMA trainers and they would do Metcons because it wasn't about lifting heavy weight. It was just consistent muscle movement and mm-hmm. increasing endurance. And I loved it. And then I just thought to myself like, God, Metcon is such a cool, it's for people who know about it. They know what, what it means, metabolic conditioning for people who don't know about it. Like it's still a cool name. Right. Um, and so I went to my trademark attorney and I said, listen, I'm coming out with a brand. I want it to be called Metcon. They did their whole analysis and came back and said, listen, it's too commonly used. Um, you know, you're going to have to add something onto it. So I'm like, okay, like let's add Metcon nutrition to it. Right. And so he's like, perfect. We'll see if that works. Don't hear anything for like a month. I respond to my attorney on an email and he was just giving me his thoughts on it. Right. Um, and so I respond to an email that says trademark Metcon. Um, and I'm like, Hey, just want to follow up on this. Um, and, uh, and he's like, I'm so sorry. Got backed up. I'm going to push it through now. He doesn't remember our conversation and he pushes through Metcon. I get it and I get my certification literally like a week before Nike launches their Metcon shoe. Granted, I trademarked it for supplements and fitness equipment mm-hmm. um, and, uh, um, and Nike actually didn't file for a trademark. Um, they just came out with the shoe and probably because they got the same advice from their attorneys. Um, one thing I've come to find out is the trademark office isn't really in tune with pop culture uh, for anyone listening who has an idea. <laughs> um, and so when, when attorneys say like, oh, it's too widely used, like a lot of times like people who are analyzing the trademark and are going to approve it don't know that. Um, and so um, it was, and it, again, I specifically said for nutrition products and for fitness equipment, because um, I still have ideas. So probably not launching. a lot of people in the trademark office that were doing a lot of Metcons exactly, at the time. Exactly. I don't think it's the customer base. Dan may have made yeah. up this word. This is fine. Exactly. Okay. And, and so, you know, so the way it worked out, Nike ended up eventually fighting for a trademark and they have it for, uh, for footwear. Um, but it was, you know, it was one of those things where it was like, it, I just, I love the name. It was a cool concept. And again, I just felt like if I could get this, like this is something that I could build a big brand around. Um, Wealthy was was kind of similar where I was, I, I forget where I had seen it. I think it was even like a meme on like a yoga, you know, thing. And it was like, be wealthy or something. And I'm like, that's cool. Like people will understand that. Granted, it's going to be a little bit hard to tell people to type in the URL um, because it's a, it's a misspelling, W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but it was the same thing of like, this is a cool name that I think has some meaning behind it. And, uh, um, and I think people will get it when they see it, that it's about being rich in health. Um, and, and so I've always kind of wanted names. And there's a lot of people out there and like an entrepreneur, the name doesn't matter. Like, you know, you can name it Google. Who knows what Google is, right? Um, but I always had this idea of like, well, if someone could see a name and then associate it and have a feeling with it, then I'm already, I'm already one step ahead. Um, and that's why I really focused on those, you know, those names and the trademarks and yeah, setting those up. So, okay. So I'm going to ask you with your vast experience now in, in this area, mm-hmm. dating. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to bring it back to dating. Yep. I have not been in this world for a very long time, nor do I necessarily intend to. Mm-hmm. So we'll start, we'll start with that. Okay. However, Statistically speaking now, my contemporaries, there are plenty of them that are back in the dating world. Got it. Okay. What is your advice? Like, how is it done these days? Well, I've been out of it for a while too. How is it done? (laughs) Okay, overall, how is it different? I got guys going back out there in their 40s, you know, in their 40s now, and it's a whole nother world. As you said, you know, it's, it's, there's technology Mm -hmm. and there's app based, okay? And you you have been so, there. Full disclosure, I've been <laughs> out of it for for five years as well. Okay, um, not getting. But, you, I don't want to get you in any trouble. No, no, okay? you're good. You're <laughs> good. But you know the the funny thing is, and I always 
I think about this. Um, this is actually something funny that Nate said. He said, all disruption comes from outside the industry. So I do think that both you and I are in a place, even though we've been out of it for a long time, because we're from the outside and we can see our friends, you know, that are in the dating world or mm-hmm. other people. Um, I think there are, you know, you have, you have perspective on, on what it's like, right? Well, there's two. There's one side like, okay. I need somebody to live vicariously through because, okay, my world is totally different. So give me a little something, you know, and I got a younger brother who's still single. Give me, give me a little something that's outside of my routine overall. I I will say that like I was, I was single, I've dated, um, you know, the, the biggest piece of advice I would say, if you're going back out in the dating world is just have perspective and realize, like, think about all the scenarios, right? Because a lot of, and I see a lot of my girlfriend's friends that are, women obviously do the same thing and then i've seen guys that are single do the same thing and when you when you are on a different level than the person you're trying to date it's not going to work so if you're pushing and you're pushing it's going to turn the other person off just have perspective on where everyone's at in their life and and i guess kind of you know don't put pressure i think i, I see a lot of people and actually this is more because i don't have many single friends right now but uh my girlfriend's friends i see this a lot where it's they put so much pressure on the idea of what they want and their goal that they're trying to squeeze someone into that. So on a first date, they're objectifying everything and looking at how they're going to fit into their perfect picture. And it's like it doesn't it, things don't have to be written out. Just like go out, have fun, put out a positive vibe and attitude and like good things will come back. But if you're out there with either this is what I want and this is it's like got to be picture perfect or, you know, that, you know, I, I don't know. Like if you have some idea that you're trying to force someone else into, it's not going to work. Just go out, have fun. And then yeah, see where the chips fall. You're doing a show yourself now. You're doing a podcast mm-hmm. as well. Who is the, who do you want to sit down and talk to? You know? So when I first started, I got inspired to do it because of Gary Vee. Mm-hmm. And so he would probably be the person that, and I actually recorded a podcast in his office with his business partners for Empathy Wine, uh, which was amazing. So he would probably be one just to create that kind of full circle. Um, a lot of respect for the guy. And obviously he pushed me into you know the audio space. Um, I think outside of that, you know, there's a lot of cool entrepreneurs that are doing some good things. And I've been fortunate enough to have some on the show. Um, and it's just really, you know, my show, Excuse the Disruption, it's all about industry disruption. So I really find fascinating people that come from outside of an industry or just doing something different within, you know, the industry they're in and just finding out their, their tweaks. So, you know, I mean, God, there's a handful of, of people out there that, yeah, I would, I'd love to have on. Um, Rohan has been in the beverage business for a while. He's on Shark Tank. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, there's a, there's a laundry list for sure. Um, but yeah, anyone who's really doing something unique in their space um, and that has a story to tell around it, um, it's just super intriguing to me. And that's really why I started. It was, you know, selfishly, I was just interested. And I knew by bringing out their stories, we can extract some value that could help other people. Kind of mm-hmm. s- similar to how, how you started. Favorite apparel brand? Rome. I mean, I'm lit- and this isn't an ad. I literally mm-hmm. wear their stuff all the time. It's comfortable. Um, beyond their, you know, community building and everything, like from an actual physical clothing standpoint, it's just better clothes um but then everything else they're doing it's a brand that i love you know kind of being behind go to meal go to meal um (laughs) i would probably say it switches it changes all the time um but um a plate at urban plates with ahi um asparagus and um, they do these rainbow carrots and then i add potatoes i'm out here for a couple of days Mm -hmm. Favorite class, if I got to take one. Honestly, the Health House one is pretty good. I, like six months ago, I probably would have said Rumble. Um, Health House is unique in the sense of a lot of other fitness studios. You know kind of generally what you're going to be doing when you go in. Health House seems to be very, very random, even though there's a rower incorporated, and that's kind of the baseline of it. Um, every workout I've done there has been completely different and pushed me in different ways. Um, so I would probably say, since you're out in LA, there's only one here. I think there's one in the Midwest, the first one. Uh, but yeah, Health House. Recovery. Mm-hmm. 
Cold. Best activity for recovery or best product for recovery? What do you? Yeah, so I like, um, you know, I used to be about cold. I used to do a lot of ice. Um, I, I've gotten more into heat now um, in doing that transition of sauna to cold. Mm-hmm. Um, I love, I have, and again, this is not an ad, but I love Rapid Reboot. Um, you know, so when I do triathlons, they're the leg compression um, with the uh, the air compressor. Okay, so, so is they, it similar to a Normatec? Similar to like Normatec. Are you involved with Normatech at all? No, I mean, okay. I, I have a pair. Okay. Um, and I'm involved so, with a number of recovery type, cool. type businesses. So, so, and I'm just a hacker uh, and that stuff. Too. I've used Normatech. Um, have you ever heard the the amp that goes up to 11 on a guitar? It's like a movie. Anyways, Rapid Reboot is like that. Like, so their Rapid Reboot 7 is Normatech's 10, apparently, from a pressure okay. standpoint. So it goes beyond um, that. Um, but actually, in the, they're known for their uh, their leg boots. But they have a waist boot that's really good, especially if you're doing biking um, and you're doing running and it gets your glutes and kind of it's it's hard to explain. But it, when it blows up, it almost stretches out your you know bottom half from your top. It gives you a little bit of kind of stretch okay. um, in an area that you normally wouldn't. Um, so I love the rapid recovery. Yeah, the hot to cold from a product standpoint, um, collagen protein. I drink a lot of coffee. Mixing in collagen protein in there has been really good. It doesn't bloat you out. Um, it's not like whey where it's heavy and you kind of get that like gut bomb sometimes if you pound mm-hmm. it quick. Um, and it's got a great amino acid profile and it's super well absorbed. Are you um, a fasting guy? I, I am. Um, and I'm not hardcore, but I am. Um, and it's really, it started out of convenience more than anything. And, you know, once fasting kind of got on the scene and I did a little research, I'm like, cool, I'm going to try this out. And then I literally, from like a time standpoint, I'm like, wait, I can save... I was eating two meals prior to what I am now, and uh, and it was just saving time. And then the amount of energy, like I've I've swam this morning. Um, you know, we did probably three, yeah, three thousand yards. Um, you know, I've had you know pre workout and a cup of coffee. I'm like, I feel great. I could go for a run right now. I could probably. I've kind of worked out that I could do about two my, two hours of pretty solid exercise before I really start feeling that like nutrient. So you're putting it in a window though. Yeah. Of. So I'm I'm really pretty much eating at noon to eight mm-hmm. um, is, is the window I stick in. Sometimes I'll go like two to ten. I mean, I, again, I don't. I'm not like super strict. My watch isn't set to like eat now. <laughs> um, but I love. I just feel better, especially in the morning, and then I actually feel better after lunch. And I noticed that, that I think because you're so empty and your body's craving these nutrients, um, that it doesn't sit as hard as it does if you already are fulfilled. Um, and so I just feel better throughout the day. Agree. That's yep. I've done. So you look down at your watch. Okay. Mm-hmm. So now I'm going to ask you, yep. are you a tracker? Like you got a Garmin on your yep. wrist right now, but is it Aura? Is it is it Whoop? Is it yep. Garmin? Or, or is it kind of like even your nutrition? Like I'm not so super fanatical yeah, yeah. about this, but I keep it within a range. I keep it within a range. I think I, you know, there's a... I have this theory about triathletes, and I think it's the same in a lot of sports, um, where you start out and you're so just, it's so new and so fresh. It's like dating, so new, so fresh. I'm like, I love this, right? Um, And then you start thinking of how to maximize it. So then you start buying all the equipment and you start going crazy and like, well, this is the new hottest thing. And you get all teched out. And then you get to a point where you're like, why? Like, why am I doing all this? The whole point is to swim, bike, and run. Now I'm spending more time looking at numbers and tracking and doing all these things. And so I literally like, you know, I went through this process, sold my like super expensive bike, um, kind of stopped wearing a band when I swim because I'm not tracking my heart rate when I swim. It, yeah, it was, an, it was an analysis to look at after, but it didn't, didn't change anything. Um, and so I started eliminating things. And now like I love the Garmin because it's simple. I've used it for so long. Um, and even now, like I don't get super... I, when I'm training um, specifically for a race, I will follow heart rate a lot closer. Um, and so I will wear my heart rate band to track it better. Um, I have done lactic threshold testing, which is probably my favorite and most recommended thing for someone to do who wants to push themselves. Um, have you done lactic testing? I have not. So do we have yeah. a minute? So um, lactic testing opened up my eyes to a lot of things. So there's a lot of brands out there that say they're lactic acid buffing, right? And your lactic acid buildup happens when you hit certain heart rate levels. Um, and so there's a testing you can do. Um, and I found a guy out here in LA. So we go on a track and we've, I've done it on treadmill. I've done it on a bike and I've done it outside on the track and you get your heart, you get warmed up and then you get your heart rate to a baseline, a low baseline. So say it's like an eight and a half minute mile. Um, you run that eight and a half minute mile for four minutes. Then you get your blood, you get pricked 
take your blood, they test your lactic levels. Hmm. Then you kick it up to like an eight, eight minute pace. Four minutes, test your lactic level. So it's basically you're testing your body's lactic output at heart rate and pace level. So now you have two variables here, and then you have your third variable of your lactic output. The whole point, then you keep increasing, um, you know, 7.30, seven minute, 6.30, six minute. Um, and you get this graph of, okay, where's my pace and my heart rate compared to where my lactic threshold is, which is basically a point where your body starts releasing lactate because it needs more energy. Um, and so lactate is a good and a bad thing. It produces short-term energy, but it also basically puts a weight on your muscle too. And that's when you get that kind of lead heavy feeling everywhere. Um, so you wanna limit the amount of lactate, um, it, for, especially for long distance training. Um, and so finding your lactic threshold takes all the guesswork out of, if you have a pace you're running for a marathon, half marathon, doing a triathlon, um, you can literally know based on your body and the science output of your body, where you can maintain a, it's kind of like the, the Jason Bourne thing. Like I know at mm. this altitude, I can run straight for mm -hmm. 20 minutes before right handshake. Um, literally, you know, you can run at a 730 pace for two hours and maintain that at a certain heart rate level. Um, and so it's, it's super unique. And that's the only thing, that's one of the geeked out parts, but I don't really follow that until I'm like really specifically training for something. Other than that, I'm like, cool, I ran three miles. Like, oh, my pace increased. But I think that's a, that's a great point also that one, you're not gonna redline all the time. Mm -hmm. You know, we can't be fanatical about this stuff all yep. day, every day. Again, it's not sustainable. Yep. Mm -hmm. And the people that I know that are, I think in the best overall condition, that are also living the best lifestyle, are just, they're going a lot on feet. Like it is a lifestyle. Yep. It is, okay, I know kind of, I know how I eat and I manage my nutrition. I know if I fall off a little bit here, I'm going to make it back up over here. I'm not tracking every single beat of my heart and everything. I know yep. how I'm, there's, there are components of a, of a life well lived and the experience that you say, okay, I know where I am. Yeah. If I want to sign up for something yep. that I'm going to compete at, yes, I can dial it in a little bit more. Yep. There may be some quantifiable, measurable things that I want to know. I may strap this thing back on for a little while, but not day to day, every yeah. day. Like we have enough going yeah. on that if this starts to feel to me like another job, like this is draining my tank more than it's filling my tank because I'm looking at these things too closely. I'm worrying about these things too closely. I'm, I'm the guy who's ordering special at the dinner and it's just annoying like everybody. Like I think again, we're back to we're back to a balance of of those things. Yeah, I think it's also you just have to ask yourself the question of why am I doing this? And if you answer that question of like I have a goal to hit this time. Do everything you can to hit that goal. If you're doing it because you're like, I want to get in shape, do everything you need to do to get in shape. If you're mm -hmm. doing it because you want community, like, so don't get over, don't think because I'm doing a triathlon, I have to do all these things mm -hmm. um, to do it. Like you literally can get on a beach cruiser and go to a triathlon if you really wanted, you know, like. Great point. You yeah. know, so, so We're figure not there out, to win it. Yeah, you know? figure out what your, what your why is and why you want to do mm -hmm. it. Um, and for most people, if you really drill down, it's just like, I just want to have something to shoot for. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, then shoot for it. Set something and go. You know, like don't overthink it. That's it's it's a great point. Okay, last question. Favorite quote or mantra that you live by? There's yep. nothing on the wall in here. No, okay? there's so it's so not. I, it's I'm not staring at me this. right now. But is there one? There is one. Um, so this is something that um, I was in. So I travel a lot. We didn't get into that, but um, I was in Peru and I was on a flight. Um, and it was, uh, there was a group of tourists that were going on like a big trek. Um, and the leader was, I wasn't a part of this. I was just on the plane over, overhearing them. And uh, um, one of the guys was just like, and it was like, looked like a serious kind of group of expedition guys. And, uh, and this one guy's like, I'm not, once we land, I'm not going to be able to, and he had altitude sickness. Um, and he's like, I'm just, I'm not going to be able to do this. And uh, the, um, what I thought was the head of the group looked at him and said, listen, enjoy every single step. You don't know if you're, we'll be back. And that like set in with me of like, like anytime you're feeling down, anytime I travel, things are tough, whatever it is, like every single step you take, you may never take that step again. Wherever that place is, wherever that time is, that's it. So enjoy every second of it and try to make the best, even if it's the shittiest situation, enjoy that step and what you get along the way. Where do people find you? Where do they find the products? 
what's the best way to connect? So for me, probably right now, Instagram, uh, Daniel G. Cox is, uh, is my Instagram. Twitter is Dan G. Cox. Um, someone took the other one. Um, the brands are, uh, and thank you for asking, uh, Metcon. Um, so it's just metcon.com um, and Instagram at Metcon, uh, M-E-T-C-O-N. And then wealthy is I'm wealthy. So I-M-W-E-L-L-T-H-Y. Um, and then same with the Instagram. So um, yeah. Yeah, if you want to check out the products, have any questions, shoot me a DM directly. I'm happy to answer them. And uh, um, yeah, thanks for having me on. Rock on. Dan, thank you so much for being on the Midwife Mail podcast today. This was awesome. Look forward to, uh, well, I'll see you tonight, actually. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this has been a blast. Thank you so much, guys. Questions, comments, like what you hear, shoot me a DM, shoot me an email, leave us that five-star review. It all helps. Keep the midwife male movement blowing and going. I will be back with you guys each and every week like we are. Thank you so much. We're out. Thanks again, brother. You've been listening to the Midlife Male Podcast with Greg Scheinman, presented by Ends Group. Ends Group is ensuring success. For more information, visit endsgroup.net. All right, guys, I want to talk a little bit about Mascot Books. They are one of the country's leading hybrid book publishers, and they can take your big idea and transform it into a print or digital book that matches your voice and vision. Whether your story is one of growth, balance, success, or all of the above, Mascot Books will bring it to life. Head over to mascotbooks.com to learn more. I am a big believer that everybody has a story. Everybody's got a book in them. Not just the athletes, CEOs, entrepreneurs, risk takers, but everybody. You know you've got an idea for a book. If you do, if you want to put it out there, head on over to mascotbooks.com. These guys are the best in the business. I have known Naren Ariel and his crew at Mascot Books for years. I've had him on the Midlife Mail podcast. Go back and check that out. We've also had a couple of his authors on the show as well. If you've got that story in you, if you want to be an author, you can do it. Mascotbooks.com. want to thank these guys for supporting the show, keeping the Midlife Mail movement growing. Mascot Books. Check it out.